sense of being in perpetual religious imperfection. Maybe even sometimes you feel like a better word for that is failure. Perpetual religious imperfection. The Bible wants you to see that as sort of the starting point of all of us. And so there's this talk about living under the law. There's this sense of like a standard that is that we're under and that we're, we're kind of like bumping up against and maxing out constantly and never able to kind of get our heads out of it. And that's kind of our condition. And Jesus, when he was, um, when he came and as he grew up and he was teaching, there was a lot of critics. There were people who were very skeptical and not into him as a leader and into the things he was teaching. And, and um, mainly these people are presented in the, in the New Testament as the religious leaders. And he has these interactions with them over and over again. Much of the New Testament stories about Jesus are about his interactions with the religious people. And they were people who, you get this impression that they had the, the little engine that could mentality about their, their life and about what it meant to be a good person. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And so they weren't ready. They were very resistant to this concept that Jesus' whole life and then his suffering and death were all about. They were in resistance to this idea that we're just kind of perpetually stuck under the law or we're bumping up against the ceiling of our own potential and we need something else, like this passage says, Jesus coming to redeem those under the law. And quite frankly, that's, you know, we're, we're, we're not much different than these critics of Jesus as we go about um, New Year's resolution. We're just daily life in general. We're, we're kind of, I think I A little bit harder. A little bit harder. I think I can. And at some points, we get enough of a taste of this that it sinks in, and we wonder if there might be a better way. We get enough of a taste of the treachery of this. It just it's kind of like it's kind of like a sourness, or like a like a dry, dusty kind of experience. Sometimes it is. I think I can. I think I can. And over and over. And sometimes it sinks in. And and that's when we're opened up a little bit to experience the fact that that drudgery and that sort of trappedness that, as this passage actually just got done talking about, that slavery, we are free from. And Jesus came to free us from and to get us out from under the law. There this complete joy-filled free new existence that Jesus has freed us from. I wonder if that kind of freeing nature of God's relationship with you, I wonder if that's at all the sense, is that, is that your picture of God? A lot of times we bring a lot of drudgery to our picture of God. I wonder how it sits to think about God as this one that wants to free you out from being trapped under the drudgery of, I think I can, I think I can. The next thing I want to point out in this passage, so first is this idea of being under the law. The second thing is the um, status shift that's um, that comes out of this word adopted to sonship. It's a technical Greek word that talks about a kind of legal adoption that was going on in the ancient world. It means someone who doesn't belong to the family is getting legally brought in with full legal status and connection to inheritance and rights and freedom as a citizen in this family. We've kept this language of sonship 
not because it's like a patriarchal shackle of some sort, but actually the reverse, because what the Bible is doing here is showing how to really understand what happens through Jesus is that something that was a patriarchal system that only applied to men who could have this kind of status change legally, that now is available to all, to male and female. That, that's an image of the kind of inclusion and the kind of status of everyone before God through Jesus. And so, it's, if you want to know what it means to be a Christian, it's to, to have this sense that um, there's a, a massive shift that's happened in my identity. It's, it's not something so tangible that you can just look at someone and spot it, you know, or, or you can say this is the, the kind of clear thing I see around me, but through, through constant revisiting of the truth of the gospel, the Christian grabs hold of this and says, this is like a legal stamped paper securing my relationship with God. It's permanent. It's, it's a shift in who I am. It's a shift in my access level to the goodness that God has to offer us. A lot of us spend a lot of our life chasing after kind of a mysterious goodness that the sense is out there, but we never know really have that assurance and that confidence that we have found a way to it or that we deserve it. And this analogy says to you, it's finished, it's final, it's yours. You may need lots of reminding all your life, I sure do, that you have found it, that it's there for you, that you deserve it. And yet that's the thing that Christian keeps saying to you over and over again. And that's why this analogy, I mean, it's an, it's, it's an extraordinary analogy. It really is. That your relationship with God is like this kind of unfair, undeserved, legal adoption into all the status and rights of the family. So much so that, that was, it was a common practice in the ancient world that no other religion ever pictures, ever uses that adoption language to picture your relationship with God. Christianity is the only one that has the audacity to say, this is how it works, this is how free it is, this is how undeserved it is, this is how secure it is, your connection to God. So that's the second thing that this passage kind of shouts at us, the status shift of sonship. Say that thing, not status. Okay, and then the third thing is just a simple word in here, right in that same sentence, the word receive. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. It's done for you. Your job, the only thing you can actively do with this is receive it. It's very different from what a lot of religious people will tell you. But your job is just to receive something that's already been done. That's the gospel. My children don't um, accomplish their status as my children. I have four kids. They don't accomplish that status. They don't, it's not, it's not a question whether or not they do really kind of level of obedience on one day or the other, then they're actually my child, but the next day they're not. It's you know, it's it's just it's just something that they that is true, that is absolutely true, and they can receive that as being true. That's how it works God. Much to our chagrin, our relationship with God is just something we receive. And so we can stop trying to run and run and impress God. And then the fourth thing point out in this passage that it's so these are all such deep rich things. I'm glad that the reading wasn't any longer. Um, is this word, this Aramaic word, 
Abba. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer slaves, but God's children, and since you are his children, he has made you also heirs. Jesus spoke Aramaic, sort of the local ethnic language, amidst the culture that, that spoke and that wrote in Greek. Um, and so, uh, this, this letter of Galatians was written in Greek. And yet, this word is preserved, the Aramaic word, the kind of Jesus-localized ethnic language, it preserved this word, Abba, because it's, it's unique to Aramaic. It's a very tender word that a child would say to, um, to their daddy. So it's a little bit like the difference for us of father and dad. You have two kind of different pictures in your mind. You just saw the word father and you see the word daddy. You do two very different kind of images in your mind. And the daddy one is, you know, just tender and vulnerable. You almost picture like a, like a little four-year-old girl with pigtails and uh, either a tear in her eye or, or laughter or some tickling that's happening. I mean, you just picture this kind of innocent, dependent, tender relationship. And you're, and you're getting into Abba. And um, again, much, much to our chagrin, we need so much help to understand how this works between us and God that the way this passion describes it is that this kind of, this kind of natural interaction with God where we would have this, this um, vibe, you might say, this vibe of our relationship with God where, we're, where it's vulnerable and childlike and he's our daddy. That that um, is only cultivated from the Spirit's work within us. We need God's help even to begin to enter into that kind of safety and trust, independability with God. And so the language that we see here is not, you know, not, I mean, you should kind of be really tender with God and say, Abba, Father, Allah. It's, it's not like that. It says, until uh, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out. So, in a sense, this is how I would put it, is that we're so stubborn and dense that God promises to generate from within us the acting out of our childhood before God, the way we should be interacting with God. So, as we review our, our year behind us, and we look forward to your 2018 uh, game plan, makeover strategy, um, Maybe you've been at the same kind of thing year after year. Maybe it's it's every year there's a few kind of hot things where you say, you know, if I just do this a little bit more, if I just uh, add this onto things, if I can just, then I'll know that I'm somebody, then I'll know I have value, then I'll feel better, then I'll feel the way I feel this year as I come to December 31. And this passage shouts out to you that you have a value available to you that you may be continuing each year to be just skipping over and not uncovering the truth that is available to you. Maybe you have sort of a strategy upgrade every year. Each season or each year, it's you know it's something about workout, it's about the spouse, it's about diet, it's about getting organized, it's about
about emotion and each makeover you attempt puts you in some kind of hollow place, maybe a weekly kind of makeover that you're chasing after. And this year you have the opportunity to sort of swallow your pride, you know, that I think I can, I think I can, to swallow that and say enough's enough, I can't earn my value, I need, I need to receive God's Thank you. 